Okay, it's on. I'll just start off with a little uh, intro here. Uh, you know who I am, and this is the Talking To series of podcasts, for want of a better name. And this will be Talking To Jason, and I don't even have to qualify which Jason, because you got in there first. Uh, so it's the Talking To series, I'm talking yes. to Jason, and I'm actually sitting parked in his driveway, looking at his house, and that we're just going to have a, uh, a free-flowing conversation, and uh, that'll be it. So, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. And I guess we should mention, we're, we are in Tennessee. We are in Tennessee. Your first, uh, your first visit to Tennessee. My first time here, and an absolutely wonderful drive, and it just coincided with my wife being out of town, and me having a week off for a study week at the college, and this... RV sitting in my driveway, wanting to go on a trip, and I thought, hey, and you know, I was very tentative about it, a little bit nervous, a little bit, oh, that's a long way to drive, and I'm just so glad I did it, and uh, and really, basically, Tennessee is Tennessee, I want to see all kinds of things I want to see, like Davy Crockett's birthplace, but really, you were the excuse to come down here. I so, appreciate uh, it. I, I think, to me, it's amazing, because uh, I don't know that I would have the uh, the guts you know, because we just talked about this just a little bit ago, and boom, here you are. Whereas, opposed, I would have come up with a thousand reasons why. Should I do that? Should I make that drive? Should I, I would have talked myself out of it, probably. The voice of doubt would have stopped me. Well, you know, I really, what did it for me was actually this sort of trouble with my leg and walking. It. I think last January, I hit rock bottom, and I was in australia with my friends couldn't keep up on the walking had to stop sit down really didn't know what the problem was fearing the worst oh my god this beginning of lou Gehrig's disease i'm done and uh finally you know came to terms with it but realized when my uh, medical marijuana doctor said well focus on what you can do not on what you can't do and i'd already had the seed was already planted for getting an rv sometime down the road but i think that just was the extra spur to say hey Time is right. is running out, and I think I also mentioned I had a uh, a friend who uh, ten years older than me in with similar conditions walking, and put it off and put it off, and now may not be able to. And I think all those things on a deep, you know, how decisions are made when you're not really consciously thinking about them, but it's happening somewhere deep inside. And I think that's what did it for me. Just if you're going to do it, do it. Don't wait. And so it actually helped. This little bit of a disability actually was a. Uh, I help. I keep seeing uh, E.T. over that pumpkin thing. I'm looking out. Uh, Jason has Christmas or Halloween decorations all over the house. Uh, those are quite neat. That little setup in the front. Yes, way back there, that is a scarecrow, kind of hiding right by the house. Yes, against the wall. 
and then quite a few up front. Now, do you do this for yourself, for the kids, for just the kids. to bring the spirit? They started out when they were really small, and we did just maybe a couple, and now they ask me to do it still, even though they're almost 15, almost 14. They, they, and when I was growing up, we never did it. We never decorated the house. We ne- I mean, we decorated the inside of the house. We never, we never put up Christmas lights. And uh, I always said, when I have a family, I'm going to do it every year. I don't care how I'm going to do it, and, and I have every year. And oh, then, good for you. A couple of years for my, well, right after my mother got sick the first time, I went down there in the middle of the day and I decorated their house. The only time that it's ever been decorated. So for one Christmas, both houses were completely done. But you didn't put up a fuss and tell you, what no. are you doing that I for? Said, you're said, you're going to, we're going to do it just one time. You're going to look at it every night and enjoy it. <laughs> and so, and she did. And some of the parts I use are parts of that. Always reminds me of that. Okay, good. So let's do a little thumbnail in case somebody doesn't know you. And it's probably this is really going out to a very narrow community of uh, right. podcast listeners. But there, there may be somebody who hasn't met you before. So here you are in Tennessee, uh, which is your home state. Yes, I'm from here. I'm from about um, 45 minutes, hour away from here, originally. Born in Nashville. Um, born in Nashville. Born in Nashville at Vanderbilt Hospital. And okay. the, uh, when I was born, I had this low blood sugar, which I still have. It's you know never goes away, and had to be in in, in the ICU for like a week. Ooh. So the first person, uh, other than the nurses, to pick me up, not my mother, but was the country singer Brenda Lee. She was touring the hospital and visited no. the ICU, and she held me in the ICU. Are you serious? First person aside from my, uh, you know, from the nurses before my mother yeah. had told me. Yes, Brenda no, Lee. No, I never knew that story. You must have now, told I've never, it. never told it before. Oh, we have an exclusive here. Yes, we do. Oh. Yes, we do. Yeah, I never talk about, you know, where I came from or anything like that. So well, that is so yeah. interesting. That, that's that's quite amazing. That's a, just a little claim to it. If I had something like that in my history, everybody in the world would know about it. I couldn't sit on that. Man. You know. Anyway, well, that's, uh, that's cool. That's a nice little touch. Um, and then you married uh, somebody you met when she was 19 and you were 21, something like yeah, that? Yeah, we were in college, and uh, I went to college in Kentucky, and uh, she came up to Kentucky. She's from here. Mm-hmm. And came the town up, you're in, yeah. yeah and then um, we were both in band, and we met there. And She was going to the same college? Yeah, same college. Okay. Yeah, that's where we met in Kentucky, even though and, uh, we had actually attended things together and did not know it in high school and stuff. Well, attended the same events, didn't know each other, met in college and um, dated on and off and then finally stuck together mm-hmm. and then got married and been married um, 20 and a half years. And two daughters. Two daughters. Yeah, one, Aged. Uh, one is about, will be 15 at the uh, end of this week and the other will be 14 in December. Well, I guess they call that Irish twins or something. They're very close <laughs> in age. <laughs> Um, so you were you were in college. You were uh, studying. You were going to be a music teacher. You heard, or yeah, something I, like that. I have a music education degree that, uh, and I was certified to teach. Uh, it was extra, so I was certified for kindergarten through twelfth grade. So I went five years to get wow. the extra. And then life just took a different course. And yeah, I took a temporary job over the summer, and that ended up being the path to a different, completely different career. Yeah, I look back now, I would have 20 years in teaching. I, I regret, I, I sort of regret making the change, but uh, it, it is what it is, you know. 
Well, you change any little thing. The two daughters you have wouldn't be here. Well, that's right. That's it. You know, there might be somebody else in there, in their place, but one little tweak anywhere along the line, and everything's different. Who knows? I think I would have more. You know, I'm satisfied with my job. I'm satisfied with my career, but I think I would have more. I would feel like I'm making more of a difference if I was teaching. So I think I'd try to apply that in other places, I guess. Try to look for the difference elsewhere, you know. Okay, that's interesting. You, know, you just... Now, you, you accept <laughs> the path you're on. You have to, really, at some point. And, and the, the horrors, people who don't and belong too much, too often especially over a bottle of whiskey or something, the the past or the path that might have been. Um, but you've done well for yourself. You have a lovely, comfortable life. and uh, You've certainly had your share of stress, but it's... Yeah, I guess no different than anybody, you know. I think that, I guess with being a, a podcaster, I've, I've had the opportunity to share it more than uh, different things I've gone through than a, a lot of people would never share in the manner I, that you share, that I share. Uh, I mean, you know, we... Yeah, we are a select group. It's it's different to... Uh, yeah, but it's it's funny to me, you know, like I'll sit on the back deck here and I'll say, well, this is how I'm feeling, this is what I'm going through, and it's not like I'm... I never get the impression I'm talking to a bunch of strangers. I, I get the impression that I'm, I'm talking to other people I you know that I know, even if I don't see them that often. And people who are listening and people who care. Right. Yeah, and that makes it easier to put forth even more. Um, the topics we're going to get to, may as well jump on them now, is creativity and, and uh, creativity and God. I think we'll, we'll come up with both those. You are a creative person, and, and anybody who's in the field of music or started off in that way, you have to have something in you that spurs that on or, or you know needs to get out of your system, whatever. Um, and you've been doing podcasts about the artist way and the one that follows, which is walking in this world, walking in this world, uh, which do you like better of those two? Um, I'm really enjoying walking in this world more, I think, just cause it's, it's more advanced where the artist way, you know, was the basics and the second book does, it touches on the concepts of the first book, but it does go more in depth, which I think is more where I am. Yeah, and I'm amazed that any person who put up the first one, which I think was an excellent book, had had it in her to do another one of more depth, as you say, right. to expand on those things. So she must have been learning, too, through the whole process of actually writing oh, and agree. putting out these thoughts to, to come out. Because you've been sharing a lot of them on your... Uh, I can't even pronounce it. Sneedgerangel or whatever. Yeah. Yes, the Sneedgerangel podcast. Sneedgerangel podcast. <laughs> um and relating it to your own life and taking out passages from the book. And it's uh, it's it's good because it wouldn't mean anything if you were just reading out, taking out the passages from the book without saying, okay, this is what's happening to me or this is how I identify that part of this passage really rang true right. to me. Is it all leading towards something else or is it just, is it just this process we talk about? It's never the product. It still is just the process. Is there ever a product at the end? Yeah, you know, I, that's a good question because I wonder that. You know, sometimes I've wondered, you know, what what am I trying to achieve by doing this? And, you know, mm-hmm. if I am I finding any 
I don't know, any life change? Am, am I doing anything different because of what I'm learning? And I don't know, you know, I still do the same job. I still podcast the same way. I, th I think, though, that I'm, maybe I can see the bigger picture better, if that makes any sense, you know. Sometimes I, I think that, you know, as, as we talked about, you know, there's there's struggles. There's, there's hard times that you go through. Sometimes I think I tap on that creative energy to get through the things that, I might not necessarily be able to get through if I felt I was doing it all by myself or that I didn't understand myself in the manner that I understand myself. Maybe I would get frustrated more. Maybe I would just, you know, walk outside and scream as opposed to being able to put it into the podcast or put it into the blog or put it into whatever I'm writing. It, it's, is it helping you tap into an inner strength? Is that one way of putting it or is that something different altogether that i think maybe the creativity is like an external strength i, I think maybe external. it may, maybe it makes up for the fact that i don't have the inner strength sometimes you know maybe if you're you know when you're having to make a terrible decision or you're being confronted with terrible news maybe there's some sometimes i feel like i can, can reach outside of myself and into some other place where okay you know i still have this this and this you know i, I I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. I mean, these are these are difficult questions. Well, well let's <laughs> let's try and stay with that because I find that because I always think everything is coming from inside that your your strength and everything and just sometimes you need clues or other people's guidance to direct you inwardly to right. find that strength to develop the things. But you said there's there may be external factors that are working on you or that you can tap it or that you can. Get hold of. Am I am I wrong? Did I misunderstand? I, I think that or? you know, if it's just me, if if you know, if I'm just me. I'm just Jason. I, I work at home every day. I work on computers every day. I do have a family. You know, I, I do these things. I go to Walmart. I go eat. Blah blah blah. These are good things. Mm -hmm. Maybe I wouldn't appreciate them as much. Maybe I wouldn't appreciate everything or be able to see everything as clearly. If I didn't have these other things that I can tap into when I need them, like like podcasting, for an example, I mean it's it, it's another creative outlet. You know, I always wrote journals. I, I wrote in yeah. journals all the way back into junior high school, where other kids were not. You know, I would I would write three or four pages a day. Yeah. You know, I was always looking. There was some outlet. There was something else I could tap into. So, well, whatever I. Whatever my normal life was, I was able to tap into something else outside of who I am. You know, I, sometimes I think podcasting, sometimes I think like the creativity podcast. I'm not a, a, a teacher of creativity. I've never been trained on that. Sometimes I think I go outside of myself to even be able to discuss it. Like that's an extra component that basic me does not have. I mean, does that, does that make any sense? It's almost uh, well, like you're I'm a separate person. Or a component of a person. <laughs> but is it that something is pointing you in that direction or putting you in touch with that external person? Or I'm almost, I'm, I, I could be wrong, but I'm almost getting a sense that you're tuning into something external to yourself that is impacting you or I think guiding was, you. Or? I think I've always been seeking something else. You know, I think I've always been. 
I don't know. It's just like you know, you 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 saw the town. We drove around town tonight. You, you yep. know, this is the, this is what I see every day, and this is where I am every day. And there was a time I always thought, no, I'll I'll do bigger things. I'll do other things. I'll be in bigger places. I, you know, this. Sometimes I wonder if I was still that person, would I feel confined here? And when I pick up the recorder, I'm suddenly outside of the boundary of, of this town. I'm suddenly outside of the boundary of what I do every day, uh-huh. you know? And when I go to the blog, you know, I, you know, there were people I met in blogging years before podcasting, and several of them were in Canada, as a matter of fact. I mean, it's, just, it's so, so many weird coincidences. And, and this is years and years ago. You know, I was always tapping into other communities and other places. You know, there was a time that uh, I would broadcast our Christmas live on the internet for other people that followed the blog. This is this predates podcasting, so my friends in Calgary and in other places would they would comment, "Hey, I'm watching you," and then you know, people in Holland, people in all kinds of other places would say, "We're watching, we're watching." It's so, such a weird. I've always been looking outside, I guess. That's interesting. So this is, I mean, there's a there's a tech part of you that. You can do that stuff easier, like podcasting and blogging or right. putting this family Christmas out there for others to see. It's something you're – it's easy for you to do, but beyond that, is there's a need or a desire to do this, a desire to reach out and communicate with the wider world. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like I grew up – and it's funny because I was – and I don't, it's crazy that we were coming back around to this, but when you mentioned your Australia trip – I, I could remember sitting here the morning that you were, I think you were on Twitter or something, you know, or you sent, you posted pictures mm-hmm. of Australia, and I was sitting at the kitchen table listening to Radio Australia on my shortwave radio. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how weird, you know, Ken is there, and I'm listening to a signal that's coming from there. And I've listened to shortwave radio since 1984, 1985. And it was always because I was always looking for these other places i wanted to hear voices from somewhere else i didn't want to feel like i'm only here in tennessee this is this is my only focus that that is so interesting because as i was driving here and i was trying to tune in the radio and all i got it was sunday of course sunday morning (laughs) was christian radio stations talking about the word of god and jesus and so on and one after another, I'd fast forward, find another, find another, find another. And everyone was, oh yeah, that's all I was pulling in. And just then I thought, well, I bet you this is tied into why Jason got into shortwave and wanted to reach up, find things other than what was just in his immediate surroundings. So what you just said was the thought I had driving here, like, wow, I can see the appeal of wanting to reach that wider world. And then you ended the, the last podcast I was listening to with some music from Cuba. And it was sort of saying, I like this stuff. This is something mm. different. This is the wider world. So that is, uh, that's starting to make more sense. There really is this oh, yeah. desire on your part to, to get beyond the confines of your Tennessee roots. Yeah, when um, it kind of goes back to when I was really small. I was like two or three years old, and my mother bought me this, and, and I still remember it, and it's been lost for years, this Raggedy Ann and Andy transistor AM radio. And that was the first <laughs> thing I remember being able to tune around the radio. And ever since then, I was obsessed with radios, and I've always had them. And I would lay in bed at night, you know, late 70s, early 80s, and I would listen to other AM stations, Chicago, yeah. New York, just to hear other places and to hear other opinions and to hear other yeah. music cuba's always fascinated me I, I would write back and forth with the people at radio havana cuba they sent me records i still have records that they've sent um 
They sent me stuff for school projects that I did in junior high and high school. I mean, it's a 30-year-long... So that's interesting, because so podcasting is not central to this at all. Podcast is just one more facet of all this outward exploration. I think so. Of the world around you. That's pretty neat. And it's come to... In fact, now you've got this, that's how we connect, and, uh, and you've connected with a lot of other people through it, but it's not the only answer or the only uh, outlet you've had all this time. Yeah, with podcasting, you know, it, it, it just happened that I came upon it years ago, and, you know, right after really it started, and, and I listened to one podcast, um, it was called Keith and the Girl, Yep. and on Keith and the Girl was Keith McNally. Yep. And Keith McNally brought you up on a podcast, and and what did what it was is I was looking for voices. Uh, I could, I was tired of just hearing comedy. I was tired of just hearing like news podcasts. I listen to like yeah. CBC Spark. I listen to different shows, trying to because mm-hmm. I travel all the time. And then when he mentioned you, I found you, and then through you, I found everybody else. That is uh, that's interesting. These these histories and the the weird connections too that. Uh, brought so many of us together there is kind of um brotherhood is not the word but some there is a community very much a community to it of the kind of podcasting we do but now let's we might end up coming back to this but i mentioned that other topic which is an awkward one a slippery one uh god and religion we've talked a little bit about it and uh, the rule of this podcast that we're doing right now is anything you don't want to talk about, you just deflect with a different question. But I'm, I'd like to know, uh, because you, we talked tonight when we were just having, you know, during the course of the day, I just arrived this afternoon, and uh, we talked a little bit about the church that you've been involved in, your family's been involved in for uh, pretty much a lifetime. Um, but even beyond the church, this concept of God, which is essential to all the churches, do you do you have any explanation or any... Well, I mean, uh, it's it's difficult. You know, I don't ever talk about religion on the podcast. No. I don't talk about, uh, you know, I, I don't talk about uh, my personal thoughts. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasters, and most podcasters I listen to are uh, atheists or... Uh, or have been in the church at one time and have uh, left the church. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when I say the church, you know, there's more than one church, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's but just, we're talking Christian. It's a matter of phrase. I, I think there are some people who really feel like there is just one church, the church, you know, and everybody who is outside of that church is going to hell. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my uh, great-grandfather uh, was uh, really, and he thought that way. Uh, we found books of his, uh, you know, one book, uh, I will not forget, it was called Why the Catholic People Are Going to Hell or Why Catholics Are Going to Hell. I mean, he was just really, you know, and that put a bad taste in my mouth, you know, and hearing well, stories of that. My mother left the church because she she couldn't stand the way he thought. You know, she it excluded people. It was very, um, you know, damning. So your mother rebelled. She did. She did, and she never went back. Hmm. And um, I know that there are people who would be troubled by that. They would say, well, you know, she could she could go to hell because she never went back, she never repented, she never did this, she never did that, you know. And, you know, no one's ever said that to me. But, I'm, you know, there are probably people who, who would think that, you know, very religious people that I might encounter in my personal life. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Without going into detail of who those people would be. But, uh, no. <clears throat> but we've avoided the issue of your, your own thoughts about God. Now, you may have purposely done that, and that's fine. You can turn it around and ask me a question instead just to change the topic. But 
this idea of God, because sometimes when people talk about creativity and this, sometimes I get a flow with life and it almost frightens me. I've, I've come out as an atheist. It took me right. a while, but I feel that. But sometimes like just getting this road track, wow, that, that was so easy. Everything just seemed to fall into place. It's like I'm surfing and I've caught this wave and everything seems to be going right in my life for some reason. And it's almost as if there's a sense of, well, that's an, an external right. pathway out there that's just that you can move into if you have the right attitude or the right approach. And that's not what I'd call God, but there's a sense of the universe working and the, you know, the universe unfolding as it should. And, of course, there's people who just scream at that and say, nonsense, crap, bullshit, chaos. But there are areas that sometimes make me have trouble with my own... Atheism, and I guess when I say atheist, I'm atheist the way my minister is atheist, in the traditional sense of the biblical God we've been right. referring to—the fire and brimstone, the punishment if you don't do this, and so on. That I don't have problem rejecting that entirely. But life, maybe the question is not so much God, but about life. Life is, seems such a peculiar ride. It is, and and it's a. I don't know, you know, I I go through things in life that, I don't know, I, the people that will they'll come to me and say, you know, I don't know how you handle that, I don't know how you go through that. I think I have to believe that there's something, maybe there's not necessarily a better place, you know, maybe this is it, maybe, you know, maybe we, we end our lives and, our light, and the lights go out. Maybe that's possible, maybe that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Science tells us that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and science also, I think, tells us it would be egotistical to think otherwise. I'm not mm-hmm. necessarily better than the black cat that just ran past the driveway, you know. Mm-hmm. And if I think that I am, then I'm fooling myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I think there's a, there's also I don't need to have that answer. I, you know, I think a lot of people, when when it comes down to it, they their faith is based on the fact. And I know this probably discredits a lot of people. Their faith or their lack of faith is based on their fear. Yes. And and some people are faithful just because they're afraid of what's going to happen in the end. And so they have to fixate on heaven because they're so afraid of death that they just can't accept it. It's like buying insurance. It is. I'll believe it because just in case. Um, and, and other people are defiant, defiant against it. Well, you know... I'm afraid of it, but I'm going to put on a pretty damn good front and act like it doesn't matter to me at all, and I'm going to march right to that end, and at the end, just unplug me, and I'm gone. But I don't think people really feel that way. I think I'll I'll rephrase this question then, and ask instead, is there a a purpose to life? Do we have an individual purpose? Is Is there any meaning to life? Or is it just that the T-shirt I'm wearing says... We are still evolving, um, and that's maybe that's the issue right there. Are we evolving? Are we changing? Are we just this species that has evolved through uh, you know brute force? And here we are, and it's you know we're scratching our head because we begin to have this amazing awareness of the world around us and, and what we are. You know, we have we can self-reflect, which is an amazing step. But is it maybe it's a, is this this existential nihilism? Yeah, the horror is that there is no purpose, no meaning to our lives. We're just we've just woken up, 
to being alive, but sorry, that's all there is. I think that the key to faith is to being able to say, to be able to live your life and not every decision that you make is based on the fact that there's an end coming to my life. I think Sorry, I have to have say that, that again. They're, they're I need to not be able to make every decision I make based on the fact that my life is going to end. My life is going oh. to end. Okay. But I think there's some people who, you know, party 24-7 because, well, hell, I might as well have a great time because it's going to come to an end anyway. I think there's some people that are afraid to go out of the house because my life's going to end anyway. I don't want it to end any faster than it has to. I think there's some people that are afraid to go to the ICU and say goodbye to their friend that's dying because they know they're going to be in that same bed one day or in the same situation. They don't want to have to confront that. I think the fear of death sometimes forces us into situations that are making decisions that we should not make. I think that the, the idea of faith, the idea of God, or the idea of just being comfortable with what my disposition is going to be frees you enough to be able to make a decision where you can make a difference, where life does have a meaning. If I live life in fear all the time, I've taken the meaning away from myself. I guess the meaning of my life becomes the fear. And the fear of death becomes a fear of life. Correct. The, the fear of death is what prevents you from living, and then yeah. eventually you're going to get exactly what's coming to you. Either way, we're going to get it either way. And I mean, if I think if we... I, you know, I I don't know. I've known people that have just, um, no, like my own mother. I mean, she was so afraid of death. She was so afraid of going to the doctor. She was so afraid of confronting her physical ailments. By the time she had no choice but to confront them, it was really too late. She had, and, and like they came to me at the end in hospice and said, I just, she's, seen, she's so too young for this. We've seen people who are 90 go through this, not at her mm -hmm. age. And I said, well, yes, but this is what happens when you, you, you refused to go to the doctor. You, she was so afraid of death that she brought it to herself, I think, quicker than she had to. Plus, had a miserable last 10 years because she was basically homebound, really, for almost 10 years. And just declined, 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 declined out of that fear of death. So I've had an upfront example, too, to not be afraid of death. I mean, if it happens, not to say I want it to happen. <laughs> Well, you got responsibilities to take care of. Don't you feel sometimes you just know you have to be around because your wife and your children need you right now, period. Maybe Absolutely. not so much your job, but because you're replaceable, but family needs us. I had a, a text message, I guess, or an email from my wife who's out of town right now. And she actually used the word God. I, I can't quote it, but uh, may God bless my family or something, I hope. Please drive safely, and I hope nothing happens. And it was it was an unusual. We don't communicate that often because we're not separated all that often. But it was clearly saying, I need you all. Right. And so maybe, you know, this silly question in a way, you know, what is the, the meaning of life? I guess there's many different ways of answering, but sometimes it, it might be our family, those we love, those we are close to. Those who need us, those who we need. Um, that part of your meaning, as far as your daughters go, you're going to look after them. Right. You're their father. You're going to guide them. You're going to provide for them. You're going to take care of them. You're going to be there for them. And in a sense, I mean, that's that's your purpose. And maybe that even is what this whole thing is about, the whole biological purpose of procreation. Right? You are attracted. You, you do this act. And children are born. And you're programmed 
to look after those things, unlike some of the animal species. It's not just the mother, the father also. There's some programming in there that... And this is our meaning and our purpose of the human race can continue. And, and sometimes that's a hard one to tell to people who aren't married or don't have children. But by and large, that's what everybody does. And maybe it's as simple as that. No, it's just, it's still, the answer is still biological, period. Right. And the spiritual is a nice bit of icing on the cake, but... I think the spiritual helps people sometimes, I don't know, accept... Maybe it's a seeking for acceptance, you know. When I talk about church, you know, it's like the podcasting. It's like, it's another way for seeking an answer. You know, I, um, like I told you earlier, you know, my mother never went to church. As long as I was alive, never went to church. My father's never gone since he was very small and, you know, or at home, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a friend, I was 10 or 11 years old, and uh, his family offered to take me. And I said, yes, I want to go. I was seeking out other answers. I was seeking something. I, I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I've still ever found it. But, um, you know, I can't sit here and tell you to go back to your original question. And we've gone way off the path, I guess. But Well, I was just going to say, you're free to steer this conversation in any direction you want. I sort of, uh, I get stuck on certain things when I'm quite, uh, you're quite welcome to switch it well, up. You know, I can't tell you that there is a God. I can't tell you that there's not a God. I can tell you that my, the way I've been able to handle things is accepting the fact that I don't have the answers. You know, if, if I sat in, in ICU or if I was in the hospital in April and the doctor came and got me and said, you know, this, is, this terrible thing is happening, what do you want to do? If there, I could have fought it. I could have said, you know, Katie, bar the door, heroic measures. We're doing, we're throwing the kitchen sink at it. Outcome would have been exactly the same, would have prolonged it. We're talking about your mother here. We're talking about my mother. Yeah. Yeah, my mother went through a, yeah. for those who don't know, <laughs> went through a prolonged illness here from mm-hmm. six or seven month hospital stays, and it was a, it was a mess. But uh, I think that I was... I was able to look beyond my personal hurt and say, this is what is best for her. And I hope that when it comes down to it, somebody will be able to do the same thing for me. But it's a very difficult because I had like one of the nurses that was with me. We were in hospice for nine days. And one of the nurses that was there the most, she said, uh, what you're doing, most people cannot do. Which is just confronting it and being there. Yeah, she said, I, you don't know how many people fight this, fight this, fight this. Mm-hmm. Because they just can't, they can't, they, they, you know, they can't help it. They can't, they, they feel helpless. Right. You know, and I would like to believe that there's a God. I would like to believe there's a heaven. I would like to believe that, you know, she's free of suffering. She's in a better place. Science tells me that that's wrong. You know, when I podcasted during... Our, our time in hospice, and I said, you know, science tells me this. I want to believe this. I think the thing that keeps me going is leaving the door open for both. I don't have to have the answers. There's so many things in my life I don't have the answers for. Um, do you think you ever will? Or are these? Oh, one day, at the there'll be a precise moment that I have it, and I won't be able to tell anybody what no. it is. <laughs> It'll all be done, you know, and. Um, 
I could sit here right now and say that's okay. If I went to the doctor tomorrow and they told me three months, six months, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how I would. I would be more upset about the people that I'm hurting leaving behind than I would be for myself. Yeah, yeah, me too. That's the first thought I get. Like, no, I'm my. I think I like to think my wife and son still need me for a while longer. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I'll, I'll run through those scenarios in my uh, in my head sometimes, and gee. Not yet, but it's not that I'm clawing to get more out of life. I've been very fortunate. Um, but well, I have too. I mean, to me, I can sit here and honestly say part of me would think on to the next adventure. You know, I, I don't know why. I, you know, I'm just curious. I'm curious like that. But, you know, I think that if there's one theme of my life, it's always been this. You know, death has always been there. Death has always been... My, you know, when I grew up, my mother was the primary parent. My, you know, my parents were married. They were both in the same house. My mm -hmm. father would come home at the end of the day. He'd end up in his easy chair. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't really have a great, we didn't really have a relationship to be good or bad until all of this happened in the last few couple of years. Mm -hmm. And now I'm the only, you know, he's left, I'm left, and we're having to, we're having to make the best of it, but... You know, my mother never hid these things from me. She brought me up to be an adult. When things went wrong, I was there. I was never, I was not shielded from funerals. I was not shielded from death. I was not shielded from decision-making. I was not shielded from my parents' arguments. I, I was n never shielded from anything. And, you know, I was, I was, let's see, 1973, I was five years old and I picked up the phone and it was my grandmother having a heart attack on the other end of the phone and I'll never forget it she phoned crying for help she phoned my mother but at, I was five and I always uh -huh. answered the phone because mm -hmm. my mother always had me answering the phone and uh, she said ambulance ambulance and God. I said and I started yelling for my mother she lived in ICU for like four or five days, and you know things were a lot different in the seventies. You didn't come out of that stuff. But uh, mm -hmm. and when I was cleaning out my mother's stuff, I found all the paperwork, the bills, everything that she'd paid off. And then I thought, man, this is this is weird. I'm doing the same thing now. You know, I paid off all of her bills. You know, we're and someday someone will pay off all of my bills. You know, it's just uh, you're part of the cycle. You know, you're part of the well. That's it. That's it. But I think I had to confront early on, you know, how, how am I going to handle these things? So death has always been very familiar to me, and that's why I think that, um, I think it circles back to what your your original question about, you know, my stance on faith. You know, I've, I think that's what always prompted me to seek church, to seek God, to seek, you know, I know the Bible pretty well, I've... You know, like I told you, I've I've preached sermons, and I've never mm -hmm. mentioned that on the podcast. But I, you know, I don't feel uncomfortable saying it. I don't anymore because I, I feel like I could not be the voice of reason that I think people needed to hear. You know, you would say something inclusive, all people should be loved. Oh no, no, because if all people are loved, why am I special? You know, that's the problem with religion. People go into religion selfishly; they want to be special. That's not what religion should be about. You're not special. That's the message of religion. <laughs> but once you put yourself in there and you say, well, so-and-so is not special and that makes me more special, then you've missed the point. So if Jesus is just a story or just a narrative or a real thing, you've still missed the point all the way around. You haven't learned anything from it. You know, you, I shouldn't use what I think lowly of others to make myself greater. That's not the lesson of faith. 
Well, I don't think that's the message that Jesus was preaching. I think that's a lot of people that go to church that think that way, though. Well, so how did it become so corrupted then and so misguided? This is what strikes me. This, um, you know, when you see televangelists and people asking for money and and things done in the name. I mean, Catholic Church is him. I guess I don't even want to go there. It's just, it's, it's just such... And abuse, and if, you, is. if you, you think of, to me, a Christ figure is one that would be, you know, almost the hippie vision of, of walking the streets in sandals and f- trying to feed the poor, right. but certainly not standing at the front of a church, um, you know, talking to the people who want to feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah, or... I think he would be an angry man. Yeah, it's... Well, I mean, it's a... It's really a... <laughs> It's a symptom of our whole, I mean, you know, I only see it as an American, and so our American society. I mean, we look at these elections. We look at, you know, uh, or, or, or watch football games. I mean, it's always, a, I'm beating so-and-so. I'm better than so-and-so. And then we get behind these factions. You know, we, we treat our politics like we treat our football teams or our baseball teams. You know, we're so rah, 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 I'm, I'm better than you, you know. And we started at such an early age doing that. Mm-hmm. Competition, competition, competition. That's and the American way. And you know, and I and I see, you know, in order to excel, you know, we have to motivate people to be the best scientist, you know, cure cancer, cure this, cure that. Do we have to do it by stepping on other people? I, I don't I don't know. I th- I think that's the easy way, and I think that's why so many people do it. So we've broadened our conversation here a little bit. We've moved on to uh <laughs> Well, we've shocked a lot of people. I don't know that we have, but... uh, I would say there are people that I podcast with that are, uh, you know, um, atheists, or they'd be shocked to hear that I go to church every week, or that I've ever stood in front of a church and (laughs) talked about um, anything. I I think they would be shocked, because that's... Yeah. uh, It's funny that it's gone that way. Like, normally you would think the shock is, oh my God, the person doesn't believe in God. But here the shock is, this person goes to church, oh my God. Right. uh, That is kind of funny that that it's already switched. And not only that, you go a couple of times a week. I never miss, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I missed today, I didn't feel well this morning. But typically, no, I never miss. So there must be some comfort about going there. It must be one of the reasons that brings you there, or is it that you're giving comfort to other people? No, I think that, it, you know, well, I think there is a mix. I mean, I think that, uh, yes, I think that my my presence may be comforting to some people. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I still I still speak occasionally. I lead prayer. I um you know, I, I do church things. <laughs> I have a role, you know, uh, but I I no longer, even though they've asked me to preach, to lead sermons, I no longer do that. And basically, just for the things that I've mentioned, you know, that I think that there are people who would not agree with everything I have to say. I don't think people are as open-minded as I am. I think, well, I, I think atheists are close-minded people, and, and I am. I confess to that. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm holding back here, almost out of politeness, like saying, you can't believe in heaven and hell. It's not, you can't. You're not even allowed to. Uh, and I know that's really uh, a one-sided uh, view, and yet I can't, I just can't get past that point. Like, no, this is heaven and hell. What we are living right now, we've got it. And that's always been the answer. 
Um, so, yeah, I'm owning up to being... Well, but when we talk about, like, you know, earlier we talked to, you know, that, like getting the getting the uh, vehicle that we're in, everything went well. You know, and, and Julia Cameron, that goes back to those artist way books, she calls that serendipity. Well, when, yeah. This force works and... You know, I don't believe that we're in. I don't believe that we're in either heaven or hell at this point. I, I, I think we're just here. We're just here floating in, in the earth. You know, I've, it, and whatever will happen tomorrow will happen tomorrow. And I think that I think that Christians have gotten a bad rap of. Um, you know, you say atheists are closed-minded. Well, Christians can certainly be closed-minded. Oh, yes. oh my God! And I just don't feel that way. You know, when when someone comes to me, like, you know, you or any unnamed person that that I've been on a podcast with, I'm not going to, you know, some people wouldn't want to be called out or named or whatever. Mm -hmm. I've never ever thought, well, I've got to put that person straight. And I think there are, because I don't think I have the answer. I just don't think I have the answer. But but a lot of atheists do think they have the answer and that they have to put believers straight. And that's, I heard a lot of people resent that, and, and for good reason. And yet, it's sort of once, it's like becoming a non-smoker. You've got to tell the smokers, hey, you've got to stop that. <laughs> that's right. It's, it's very similar. It's the same sort of mindset. This, my view, is the only rational way of looking at it. And it's, and it's think, a struggle, because those are the kind of things that lead to wars. Oh, absolutely it is. Well, I think that people... I think war is human nature. I think they hide behind religion or non-religion. Yeah. It's yeah. just another reason, you know. It's like the Headfields and the McCoys. I'm going to hide behind this property line. I mean, it's there's always we're going to find a reason. It's mm-hmm. in our nature to fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, it uh, doesn't, you know, if I I can wrap myself in the Confederate flag or I could wrap myself in Walmart bags and say, well, Walmart doesn't pay their people enough. I'm going to kill everybody in here. I mean, it has nothing to do with. Well, it's what's convenient. Let's broaden the picture again. And get beyond ourselves, can the human race evolve to a point where we can actually live peacefully on Earth together? Or is that just not the nature of the human beast? Are we just pre-programmed to to hate, to fight, to... Oh, I think we're pre-programmed. So there's no hope, then? Not for uh, peace, no. I think this is about as good as it gets. You know, we're sitting out here in the driveway. I don't feel... Yeah. I don't feel unsafe. It's dark. Um, You know, we have peace. We're lucky. Yes, I've had it all my life, and I count my blessings for it. But it's, um, see, I grew up at a time when you, with that, that whole 60s hippie movement, John Lennon, Peace Brother, and all that, there was, was, just for that short time, there was a real belief, yeah, we can change. Evil was Lyndon Johnson and the Vietnam War. That was evil, and evil can be defeated. Uh, the Civil Rights Movement, and all these things, there was a sense that, wow, we are actually changing behavior, we're changing politics, we're changing governments, even though, like I, you know, I wasn't even in America, That was, but still this was the right. sense that we, there was a movement that was happening that, of course, died shortly after. But I still like to believe that through compassion, through reason, that humans could evolve to a point of living together and yet as soon as I say that another voice is coming up from behind oh bullshit you know there's not a hope in hell for that especially now with 8 billion of us on the planet we are going to fight to the death 
and it'll be a fight over the resources, it'll be a fight over water, the Americans will come to Canada, the Canadians fear that, and take our water because water is the, the essence of life, and, you know, forget this silliness, it's the, and, and that just takes you right back, so it almost leaves an opening for religion or belief, because the reality is too horrible to look at. Well, I agree. I think that is part of it. I think that's another reason people turn to religion and escape. Yeah. A hope of some better system, a hope of some better... But you know, then you look at religion, religion's also based on punishment. And, and you know, we... I don't know. How can we change society if we still build our society around competition, build our society around, uh, you know, winners and losers? Yeah. We're just doing it to ourselves. And, you know, look at this presidential election. And, you know, I think I sound like an old fogey to say it's never been this bad. But well, everybody's saying that, though. Everyone, it seems like it gets worse. You know, mm. when you think about uh, John McCain running, everybody flip-flopper, this and that. I mean, it became a satire. And then Saturday Night Live, you know, destroys people. And, and we think, it, you know, snark. This is the generation of snark. See, I, I felt um, hope when, when Obama was sworn in. Oh, I did because too. I, I felt this way. Wow, there is hope. And we're, Canadians felt that little bit when Trudeau came into power. Uh, not every single Canadian. We know some podcasters who don't feel that way. But um, overall, there's a sense of, yes, there is a better way. And yes, there is. Youth might have more answers. And right. we can have equality. And so I think there are these spots of hope all over. But then you look at the world. I had to go at, at my church. We have a men's group. And I had to let loose with the fact that I went through a period of guilt for having this road track because when I mentioned everything fell into place so beautifully and suddenly I've got this amazing toy that I don't need but I want and I'm going to enjoy it as I am now sitting here with you doing this. It's exactly what I dreamed of doing, visiting friends and talking and sharing ideas and conversation. But at the same time, this vision of the rest of the world and the, the hungry, the poor, the sick, the the depraved, the, the people who torture and kill and all the ugliness and all the other realities outside my own little bubble just seem to come in competition and just seem to want to deprive me of this little bit of joy because what? why should I have any this joy and happiness when what? 80% of the world doesn't have it. You know, and I don't mean just material wealth. I mean just even basically safety and, uh, you know, the basic things we need on this little pyramid of life. Well, I think it kind of even comes back around to the first, you know, the found, the, the first question you had. It comes back to the, uh, the faith and, the, you know, God. And it comes back to not having to have the answers. I, I think that it takes a lot to be able to look in the mirror and say, I don't know. And and I think when we are confronted with those, you know, the horrible problems of the world, I don't have the answers to fix them. I can't control them. I'm one person. You know, Hillary Clinton is one person. She's not going to fix this country. Barack Obama cannot fix this country. No. And yet we expect so much of our leaders. And, and the reason we do is because we're lazy. We we won't do it ourselves. We won't get out. You know, yes. there's community programs I could go join right now. I could help out here. I could make a difference right here. 
And maybe, you know, if we all went out and said, you know what, I'm going to stop putting my responsibility on somebody else. I'm going to make a difference. Think of that would be that would be the evolution of the world. Will we do it? No. But but that's but that's been a message for so long. Like that's part of the the know thyself and that part of what every growth movement in psychology has been about. And and what the artist's way, because we can't let that go, that her message is, is always to be yourself and let your pure self almost come out right. and not be hindered by all these negative forces and factors around you. And and it will create some kind of joy. And maybe you can only you only have to look at the little the little world that you can influence. Like you're giving a party for your daughter this weekend. She's gonna enjoy that. She'll remember that. And that's something very special. That's a very simple, small thing, but that's a good thing. That's on the positive side of the equation. A big plus. So You know, I think the little things we can do in our own small circles can be enough to alleviate the guilt. Um, You can't solve all the problems. You can't carry all that burden. As long as there are, you know, there could be millions of selfish people in the world, but as long as there's a core group of people who are not, who are... You know, think of the volunteers, think of the people who do the things that need to be done. And they don't do it for glory, they don't do it for their name on a billboard or on a sign. They just do it. Those are the people that keep the world going. You know, maybe maybe my daughter, maybe she'll do something in 20 or 30 years that will keep the chain going. And maybe that's all we need. You know, maybe that's why, you know, maybe it is just a very thin line that keeps things in place. I, I think, do we not think that, though, that we want, somehow we want our children to be better than us? I don't mean achieving more. My son has to be a doctor or something, but somehow that they will oh, maybe have learned from our experience and will grow even further in, in their way. Well, it's like more. we talked about tonight at dinner, you know, with my oldest, she quit music and, you know, I have a music degree. I was at music. I, I think it fundamentally impacted me. I think it made mm-hmm. my junior high, high school and college years better. And it, and it, it was troubling for me. She came, I don't want to do that, you know, it. I could have said to myself, well, man, you know, she's pissing on what I did because she thinks what I did sucks. She doesn't want to do it. But what it came down to is I sat there and I thought, you know what? Maybe this is the step to being better than me. Her, Her other direction, a direction I didn't take, maybe that is the right step. She can't be me. Maybe, you know, mm-hmm. maybe I didn't have the courage to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Maybe I didn't have the courage, but she does. Maybe I've done something right. She feels comfortable enough to come to me and say, you know what? I quit. I want to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, thank goodness she's not going to be like me. Maybe she won't have to encounter the crap, you know, that I've encountered. <laughs> you know, maybe every little step will be better, you know. That maybe you've made it easier for them, too. I hope, you know, I think we, you know, I I grew up in a house where communication was not exactly, you know, a strong point. And I think here I've tried to, you know, leave the door open to say, you know, you can come to me and say anything, you know. And I hope that that is what keeps happening. You know, there's always that voice of doubt. What are they not telling me, you know. But I think so far... You know, we still got a lot of teenage years to go, though. So. You do, and, and is there not a time in, in anybody's <laughs> life when they just they have to pull away from their parents and live 
Oh, almost I, a private or a secret life. And uh, I agree. I mean, I, I sense know, that your two daughters are quite different. They are. And, you know, when I was growing up, my mother had a very hard time letting go of, uh, you know, my parents' marriage was bad, you know, so she focused more time into me. I'm an only child. And, you know, when I said I was going to get married, she really, I mean, struggled. I was angry. Angry. Because she didn't have control over it? That there was somebody else, I guess, that, you know, I needed more. Mm. And she didn't have anybody else to need. You know, that's a very unfair thing, I think, to put on a child to try to make up for what you don't have. And, yeah. you know, I've accepted that, you know. You know, I love my mother, and it was very difficult to let her go. And I focused on the right things. You know, it's still hard to say negative things when. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we were, I got sick in college, and uh, I had a chest infection of some kind. I ended up in the emergency room, and. I couldn't drive. She had to come up and get me, and I was already engaged, I guess. This was right as I was graduating, and um, she said to me, she said, you know, I should just drive this wall, this car into this overpass right now and kill us both rather than see you get married. (laughs) I mean, it was just crazy. I I hate to think about it as another scoop, but this this is, I mean, this is is dark. I haven't mentioned that in, in a podcast before. No. I hope you're going to be comfortable letting this one go. Oh, I, I mean, I, I will give anybody the final, final say. But I think wow. that, you know, you know, you know, when we when you know, I look forward to this conversation because I think it's good to be able to sit here and say, well, this is who I am. This is how I got here, and, and yeah. I think this is, you know, oh. when I podcast, I never feel comfortable saying. You know, well, this is my story, A, B, C, mm-hmm. or D. You only hear D. You never heard A, B, or C. Yeah, and you know, I don't feel at all uncomfortable saying, you know. This, this, and this happened, and uh, well, now finally I am shocked. The list, it's funny, and I was just going to say, I wonder if we should maybe just lighten this up a bit. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I can look at it there now, and uh, you know, I can I can laugh about it now. At the time, you know, I, it was troubling, and yeah, difficult. I'm just pitching and ready to reach over and grab that steering wheel. My God. Oh, I know it could be. I know she was serious, and, um, you know, it was just, uh, it was just this overwhelming, um, you know, overprotection that I think has worked in my favor that I have really tried to, you know, say, you know, these, these are, I want these children to talk to me when they're 20. Yeah. You seem to have come out of it quite well, and, and... You're living a pretty normal life, you know, and and uh, this is a good thing that maybe it's it's giving you a strength. I, I was talking to my son, and you know some of the adventures I've had in my life, and they were, I, you know, I try to explain that some of the things, like my decision to go to Nigeria, my go to Japan, these were driven partly by a sense of inadequacy and a sense of having to make up for what I felt were not failures, but weaknesses, I guess, on my own part. And I had to prove things. And I'm very grateful for that, that, you know, whoever I was when I was younger, as a child or a kid, I guess I was always the the baby of the family, but it was more than that. I had a, a fussy appetite and I couldn't eat anything except tomato soup and peanut butter sandwiches. I lived on that till I was 20. And, um, all kinds of things, and not being good at sports, and just not, I don't know if it was fitting in, I, I had friends, always had friends, but something about me 
because it wasn't strong and I had to prove that I could be strong. Right. And so any challenges. And getting this road track was the last one of those things. Like, it would be easy for me to say, oh, I'm, I'm just not the type who could drive something like that. I wouldn't be comfortable doing it. And, and I would, I can fix things up. And it, it, that was just enough to give me the incentive to go ahead and say, oh, yes, you will. <laughs> and uh, you're not going to waste any more time thinking about it. You're just going to do it. And so I'm grateful for sometimes for personal shortcomings. Somehow I'm, I'm paralleling that to what you were saying, too, that you've come out of it stronger for all that you've been through with your mother. and Because um, you certainly seem quite a, a, a strong and stable person. Well, I mean, you know, it's just... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I see... I don't know, you know, it's it's just like lately when we went to Florida a few weeks ago and I dreaded that trip. I dreaded going. I was I was tired just thinking about it. And that's what amazes me about you. You know, you did this, you did all of this. I would I, I, I said at the start of the podcast, the voice of a doubt, the voice of nagging doubt would just fill my head. Now when I got down there I was like, Oh man, this is fine. This is wonderful. I'm glad we did this. But man, I I felt so negative going getting to that point that I think I almost ruined it for myself. But was it just the burden of responsibility? Was that part well, of it? Well, yeah, part of it. Yeah, I do all the driving, you know, and yeah. all the... Yeah. <laughs> so, and you're, you know, you're, there is that, you know. You're and the man. You're, you're it's the guy who's got responsibility. Uh, you know, I think I'm still tired. You know, I think it just comes down to, you know, last last year and everything that we went through. I, I don't think I'm still caught up. No, you've barely had time to get over the year that you went through of, you know, as stressful and yeah. difficult a time as you're ever going to have in your life. And so, see, I'm not where you are just yet. I'm not at the point where I could say, I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to, I, I still have that reluctance, but I am at the point where you are. And, and one earlier thing you said, I understand how fleeting life is. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, that, it's, it is a motivator. It is a motivator to say, you know, I get that my kids are going to be graduating and this is going to be a big empty house sooner than I would like for it to be. Mm-hmm. Even though we're just at the beginning of that, of mm-hmm. that, you know, final piece of the journey. It's going to happen fast. It's going to happen fast. And I, I think there's a lot of people who don't, either they don't get it or they don't want to get it. So they kind of keep pretending like it's not going to happen, and then life flashes before their eyes. You know, I think I, I'm i at least at that point where I can savor, you know, what is it that Warren Zevon said? You know, Warren Zevon went on David Letterman. He said, enjoy yeah. every sandwich. You know, I yeah. always think about, you know, I think I can, yeah. I get that because I saw, you know, you know, for me, my mother was just like a snap of a finger. You know, everything changed. It really happened over a period of years. But, you know, how many wasted years? I don't want to waste years. I don't want to waste no. days. But it's very difficult for me to just say, go get them. <laughs> it's the complexity of our lives. It's the complexity of just the human being. That we, we There's a day-to-day world we we forget. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. You know, our caveman roots, fighting with clubs and grabbing meat and maybe going out with a team and trying to get a, an arrow into the hide of an animal. T- 
to survive. And hopefully you're going to get a big enough piece of the meat, even though those of us who wear glasses would have been oh, the weakest of oh, the group hey. and would have been treated badly and would not have had all the women and uh, the biggest, best pieces of meat. Um, life is just this day-to-day living just to get through for our daily bread, basically. I mean, we, we have to deal with that. And yet on top of that, and it's again almost full circle of the conversation. We want more. We want meaning. We want purpose. We want value. We want joy. We want all these other things. And then religion pops in and says, well, come this way. I'll give you joy, but that's questionable. And uh, so then we do things on our own. Our hobbies, our interests. Well, this give me joy and satisfaction. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, it's like uh, I want to believe. You know, I. You want to believe what? You know, I want to believe in in a god or a better place, or that there can be peace in this world. I want, you know, I want well, to those believe. Those are two very different things, things, though. Now. Yeah, but I think the fundamental idea is, I, you know, I want to believe. You know, when I, when I, when I, when things aren't going great, I think it's that want to believe that gets me through them. But I, that I, leaves I, a suggestion. The reality, the default position is I don't believe. It does. I mean, the, the, the uh, you know, I, I have the intelligence enough to see where I am and to say, you know, wow, this, this could really, you know, God could be a really nice story. You know, it's like a podcast, Doug, I was listening to him earlier today talking about God and good. And, you know, it's kind of that same just, juxtaposition of the idea and the reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm okay not being able to sit here and... and make a make a straight case where a lot of people probably I got to prove myself I got to prove myself at the end of the day I don't need that and I, and I think sometimes that's what keeps me going when somebody else might not be able to keep going I don't I don't need the answers you know I don't I don't need to be able to tell anybody one way or the other I don't feel like I need to I don't need it for myself I, I don't have that part of my ego does not exist it just doesn't exist. And I think a lot of people, that part of their ego takes over their whole mentality to the point that they can't back down from things that they just, you know, they're so filled with, I've got to be right, I've got to be right. But at the end, it's we're all going for the same fate. <laughs> so what did that do? You know, what did that do? I, I don't know. Does that make any sense? Uh, like, I'm struggling. Like fo- well, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm following it. And it seems you're circling back to this position, and I find it interesting because I don't know that I fully grasp what you mean by "I don't need the answer." And this is this is where your comfort is—the fact that I don't need to know. That's what I'm hearing. This is this is what gives me peace: is that I don't know. In other words, I I'm, I'm, I don't have to rule it out. Correct. I don't need to know at all. But if there's some part of me that wants that little bit of comfort from believing in an afterlife or a better life, I can have it if I want. If I need to go there, I can go there. Correct. It's like I think a bank account you can draw on. Yeah. Okay. Well, I could, I could live with that. I think that there's a possibility. Of? Of something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a possibility that there's something beyond this life. There's a possibility. I don't... Well, there certainly is... There's not even a possibility. There's certainty there are other life forms in the universe, this great big universe. Right. That's, that's just... That's a given. 
unlikely we'll ever meet them. I, I just the it's so easy to see the picture of just gee, we'll grow up on this planet and we'll die on this planet, and uh, that's end of story. We 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 got this far. Well, that was neat, and uh, that's right. I'm a step in the evolution of something else. Mm. That's okay. You know, it's. I don't know. I you know I was in ICU. I wasn't in my mother's in ICU for a month, unconscious, and she did come out of ICU. She recovered beyond that. But uh, when I was there for that month, and I saw a lot of people. You know, a lot of people come into ICU. They're gone the next day, two days later. Mm-hmm. And typically, these people that are not going to recover, they're there. This is the final step. You know, and I got to know a lot of the nurses, and I got to know, I got to see this separation occur over and over. I, death every day. Every day. And people, their varied reactions to it were horrifying. I saw people fall on the floor, screaming, crying. Family members. Yeah, just because they had no control. How do you... They weren't ready for it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I can't blame them. You're never really ready for it. But I mean, it was, I think it was the lack of control more than anything. I can't fix this. I can't control this. Well, there's a, there's a certainty to it, though, too, though. I mean, those people who are falling on the floor, kicking, screaming, they know the certainty. This person's gone. They're not coming back. And that's right. No. I, I can't handle that. Yeah, I can't handle the fact that this person's, that I'll never see them again, that this is going to happen. That. Uh... And then I saw some people that could, you know, they made their peace with it. And I didn't know, you know, I don't know how they made their peace with it. I saw people that were able to sit in there and hold their loved one's hand till the end, or till yeah. almost the end. And I saw people that couldn't go back in the room, couldn't say goodbye, couldn't handle it. And I, well, you know... Quite a learning experience for you. Yeah, it's, it's just a... Maybe you'd be a good grief counselor. I don't know. Is that part it. of your personality, that to be a counselor, to be the kind of person who would listen? I mean, it, it ties in with the religion, ties in with sermons, yeah. ties in with lots of different parts. Oh, I've definitely thought about it. I've thought about it, but, uh, you know, who knows Who knows what's going to happen next, you know? I guess the, it's, the world is wide open. Well, it is, but again, it gets back to we are also in control of that to some degree. I mean, there, there's this confluence of forces and flows and so on that we, again, reading about in those books. Right. But there's also where we have to step forward and, and act. Yes, and that's the, uh, that's the difference, I think, you know, kind of going back to, you know, when I look at a big trip, the doubt, the, um, the laziness still kicks in for me. You know, I'm not at that point yet. And, you know, right now, I, don't, I, I, I understand that I'm not at a place I need to be to even try to counsel somebody else. I'm not, no. I'm not, I'm not over it. You know, I, I have a lot better good, I have a lot more good days in a row now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, you know, I went through this in high school, and I and I, I hit a huge loss, and uh, it took years to get through it. So that it that was years. one of the the podcasts you did release that as a podcast. Yeah, I did. And I remember that so well, and I remember where I was. You know how when people talk about certain podcasts, you remember where you were when you were listening when that person said that. Or people used to refer to that. Maybe now we're so overwhelmed with so many podcasts, but when you <laughs> talked, that we we don't have that same feeling there. But when you talked about that person you were close to and knew well and uh, their tragic death, it was very, very moving. It was very, uh, and, and 
Maybe it was a surprise to that too that you you let that one go. Oh, it was tough. I, that was I sat on that one for a while. I mean, that was early on. I had just started podcasting. Mm-hmm. I think it was like I don't know. It was in the first twenty, I guess. I can't remember where it was, but uh, you know, I, I think I had long been looking for an outlet. I think I had long been looking to. I think I needed that. I needed to put a voice out there. I needed to get that off my chest. I needed to say, you know, there was this person, and mm-hmm. that, you know, and that's just another step in dealing with death and loss. I, I think that, you know, I was 16, and it was difficult. And, you know, I went to counseling, and then later on again to counseling. And, <laughs> you know, it was a, um, I think it prepared me for what I've been through as an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, but it, you know, that's definitely when someone kills themselves. That's a, you know, it's it's different than when someone's dying in ICU or dying yeah. in hospice. You know, it's just you know you you have made this choice, and also you get into your mind. Well, you know, were the people that cared about you not enough? This, this is the, uh, the tragedy of it. it. It's as if could this not have been prevented? You know, could this not that's have right. had a different outcome? Um, I was, remember being very, very early stages for me, one of the earliest podcasts I listened to back when there were just sort of a few great podcasters out there uh, was Evil Genius Chronicles. I um, can't remember his name. And he talked about his father's suicide early on, how he just, you know, in their home, I guess, with a gun shot himself in his study or something. And I thought, wow, you, you said that on a podcast. Gee, does, and that sort of opened the doors. So you can talk about this stuff. But also, I had great respect for him because the way he had done it, and it wasn't a sensationalism. It was just this is something that I've experienced and gone through. And maybe maybe it was the anniversary of the death or something. I can't remember the why he was talking about at that point. Dave Slusher, and uh, I was just blown away by that. Wow! And it seemed to open up that podcasts can be about anything. They can have a a depth to them. They can be deeply personal. They can be therapeutic they can be all these other things that uh and i think that's the wonder of it and i hate to th- and that's of course that's what frustrates all of us about this podcast movement of these groups who are there what can you sell how can we make this like commercial radio how can you make right. money as opposed to here is a liberating tool where we we, we have this democracy of this freedom for everybody to have a voice, anybody who wants to have a voice, to have a voice without any limitation or censorship or pulling back. And I would say that about anybody. If somebody wants to go on about skinhead and neo-Nazism, I'd say let them have their podcast. Let them do it. Let them expose themselves for the idiots they are. That's right. Um, And sadly, I I think that's kind of been lost. People have seen this as a step towards something else or wealth or whatever, but not wow, this, this bit of magic we can... Because one of the problems with human beings is that we don't share our stories. We're not intimate with each other. We're not letting our guards down. We, we In every situation, we have to prepare, okay, well, is my work self? And then there might be a church self, which might be a little more or a little more open. And there's another one. There's our, our role of husband, wife, father. Uh, there's all these different right. parts of ourselves, but too often we feel the need or societal's need to hold back and to, uh, uh, you know, hold on to your pain, hold on to your loneliness, hold on to your fear. 
Well, I think there's also, you know, like for me, I don't, I don't want to burden people. I didn't want to. I mean, I'm over that now, but I went through that for a long time at the beginning of the podcast, you know. Yeah. I want somebody, you know, I always felt like there was a responsibility to give somebody a little bit of an escape, you know, because I think, you know, I'm no different than anybody else. They're going through their problems. They probably don't want to come here and then get burdened with my problems on top of their problems. But they can find those escapes through all kinds of other forces, too, I think. I mean, well, that's and I right. Think it, it's that I, one of the things... I believe it certainly keeps me going in my own podcast, the Dixon Jane's podcast, is that some people do tune in and say, wow, I connected with you when you said that, when you made well, this mistake, exactly. when you made fun of yourself, or when you did something stupid, or you felt bad about this. And to me, that's why I took these counseling courses. And, and in a sense, podcasting has really helped me reach another step in my personal growth of being able to, to vent, to let go, to share uh, it's been very satisfying that way. Well, I think, you know, when I you know, I started the podcast, it was about playing music and then talking. And then I evolved, evolved, evolved. And then, you know, I got to a point where I, you know, in that episode where I talked about uh, Stacy and her, her death, I, I thought to myself, you know, there's two things are going to happen here. I'm going to, A, I'm going to get some of this off my chest, but B... Maybe my being able to be comfortable enough to share this will give somebody else permission to share something. Yes. Yeah, maybe exactly. somebody else will get, or they'll at least be able to say, man, I can get that off my chest. You know, they don't have to come to me. They don't have to send a message, but they can say somebody else has been there, too. You know, there's a a very small group, a very small, unfortunate group of people who have been through suicide on this side of it mm-hmm. that... Um, you know, it's still taboo. It's still it's still taboo to talk about it. It's still it seems like it's taboo. You know, it's becoming more and more acceptable. But um, I think so. You know, I think that if it'd been more acceptable to talk about it, you know, back then we, you know, I might have gone and said, you know, hey, we need help here. Hey, you know, uh, you know, I, it's um. You know, maybe somebody would hear my voice and say, oh, well, I recognize this in somebody else. I'm going to go say that I need help because, you know, when she came to me and said, you know, I'm thinking of killing myself, I, I never, I didn't think it was serious. Mm-hmm. I never, I wouldn't, I didn't know how to process that. So I, I think that maybe, you know, the tens of people that might have heard that might be, <laughs> you know, maybe if you impact one person and can get one person help, you know, that's um uh, or you know somebody, and you talk to somebody else who might, you know, that's the, um, I think there's a power in podcasting. There's a power in sharing our stories that, um, you know, when my mother went in the hospital for that final time, I thought, I'm not going to podcast, I'm not going to do this. You know, that idea lasted in my mind for about two days. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, no, this is what I, this is what I do. I do it for me, and I also will do it because somebody else is going to either have gone through this or will go through this. And they just need to hear that you're going to get through it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't know that we've answered any of your first fundamental well, those questions. Are just do, you want to re- do you want to review those questions again? They will. No, I think those are just <laughs> tossed out there because I guess what I was really, <clears throat> all I was trying to do uh, in a very clumsy way was just so that we would have a serious enough talk uh, because there's a lot that just do lighthearted banter. And that's fun, and some people are very good at it. And sometimes, depending on the relationship with the person, you can't do anything but. Uh, but I felt a need with you to have a serious conversation about, you know, real things that 
um, that would connect that we could both connect to right I guess so um, now I mentioned before ending on a lighthearted note I think it might be a little late in the game for that <laughs> <laughs> not be possible oh we can uh, I'm sure we can think of something uh, my goodness I don't know. You know, I think that I, I think that um, uh, I think it, it, this thing as a whole. You know, the um, wish I could remember your original questions. So let's let, let's go back to them. Do you remember what your original questions oh, were? Well, and I, I can turn it back around to being lighthearted. Um, no, the, the questions were about uh, God. Yes. Was, you know, what's the meaning, or do you believe in God, and so on. And, and the other one was about. Uh, I thought it was about creativity. Oh, creativity. Yes. But I think we covered we covered that fairly well. I think. I, I think that the you know to end it on a lighthearted thing. I think that the. Uh, I think the. Um, I've maintained my sense of humor through all of this. You know, there's been there were bad days. There were horrible, you know, things that happened. But at the end of each day, I was still able to stay positive. You know, I still see that there's something, I still see goodness. And mm-hmm. it's hard to see goodness when you're sitting in a hospital room. But you can, if you choose to see goodness. And and somehow, uh, through all of this, and you know, now we're outside of it six months, things are up and up and up and up, and you know, I'm in a much better place. Mm-hmm. But I think back to when I was in, you know, a year ago. A year ago today, uh, my mother was having her second surgery, and I had to sign off on that. And I had to say, I had a choice. They came to me and they said, hospice or this surgery. It's either over or this surgery. And it was a days long. I waited as long as I could. I had a week. I waited until, like, the final hours. It was a very difficult decision to make. And... um, this is your lighthearted part, is it? Oh, it is. It no. is because I, I, it, it will come back to that. Because yeah. I, you know, I would I would sit up there and I would listen to other people's podcasts and I would find stuff still to laugh about. Yeah. And that's what kept me going. So you know, for the lighthearted part of it, you know, I think that there is still. I think if we can still find the joy, no matter how bad things get, we can still get through just about anything. Well, I, I remember that, what you were just talking to, that part very, very well. And I, I felt for you, and I felt your the, the burden of that decision, the responsibility. And I think it was amazing that you actually vocalized it. You you talked about it. You, you took us through. You took us through your mother's death. And I think you were aware that you were doing that. You're aware, okay, if I'm going to go on this journey, I'm going to go all the way. That's very admirable i don't know if that's the right word but uh it's courageous i guess the better word uh was very powerful and i i was i was feeling it and feeling wow i don't i don't know what i'd do and you were struggling with do i let her go or or keep her going was was and i thought what a, the weight of the decision and it was falling on your shoulders so uh yes my, i mean my father could heavy. not make the decision he could not do it so i was signed in as the uh, primary decision maker and i was till the very end i was he was never on the was he given that choice or he just, was. He just and he just didn't know what to do didn't know what to do said he couldn't handle it and i get that yeah he married sure. to somebody for 50 years and sure um yeah 
I, th- I think at the end, I think I, I think I did what she wanted. You know, I think I, I, I think I made the right choice. Of course, I, really, I don't. I don't really think that was much of the choice. You know, I, I think that the life she wanted, she would want to be at her home, watching her TV, mm-hmm. uh, eating her pizza, drinking her coke, <laughs> and I don't think she would have really wanted to settle for less. And um, I, you know, if I, yeah, and and that was never going to be possible. I guess this. Um, it's a crazy question. It's something that I. I always ask myself and friends my age, especially Canadians, what would you have done uh, for the Vietnam War when draft is coming on? And it's almost as if you're dealing with your mother's death was, was as big and as heavy a decision to make. Not just that particular decision, but going through the whole thing as going off to war. Lot of ways. Maybe that's crazy. Maybe it's I'm, I'm stretching here, but I I always ask, well, what would I've done? Would I've had? Would I've gone because of the adventure? Would I have run away? Would I have you know demonstrated in the streets? What what would I have done facing this this horrible thing? And I think it was a a, a difficult decision for Americans my age had to come to terms with with all these other pressures and forces. And I, we've never had an equivalent because we've never had to, we didn't have to face that question. And I think it was almost like a dividing line between Canada and America. I know now this really seems off topic, but somehow, I guess what I'm getting at is, is you, you had the strength to deal with this whole thing of your mother's inevitable death. And... Uh, you would have had the strength to deal with Vietnam. I guess I'm having the feeling now. I may as well go crazy on this. You would have gone off to Vietnam. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know. Do, do you ever, because you're not of the age, but would you have ever asked yourself that question? And sorry for ruining the lighthearted ending. Well, you know, I uh, when I was in uh, first year of college, I took a uh, armed forces test, and they, uh, oh, they wanted me. I, pay, I would have been scored extremely high. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the test was, but uh, maybe it was the end of high school, and then I think in college I took a second test. And yeah, man, they really they came after me, man. I was I would have gone in as an officer. You know? Well, I can <laughs> I can I can see that though. It, yeah, it's... and uh, I said no. You know, I I made the decision. No, that's not how I want to do that. I I just really I had that. Um, I didn't want to be responsible for, you know, possibly having to take other people's lives. You know. Yeah. Well, that's what it comes down to. You know, of course, that was in a time of relative peace. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was right after Desert, it was right around Desert Storm, I guess, you know. So the Iraq invasion of Kuwait, you know, we went in over there and pushed them back. But uh, it didn't seem like it was a real trouble. And I had friends who, uh, you know, went in. You know, I had uh, friends that, Mm -hmm. uh, I have a guy I went to college with, he's still in. He still is in the service, 20-something, almost 30 years later, you know, it's... uh, Boy, and I and I look at his pictures, and he's all over. Uh, he's been in Afghanistan. He's been in Iraq. You know, and he posts pictures all the time when he gets back from these places. And I think, my God, you know, I don't know that I'd have the courage. Mm. I don't know that I would sacrifice like he has sacrificed. He's been, you know, he's been fortunate. He's never been he's injured. Not, he's never been. He's one of the lucky ones. He has to have a you know a years long uh, career, and uh, 
You know, I just, I, you know, I have a great deal of respect for people that can do that. I mean, my, you know, my father was in the army. Uh, my, you know, my wife's grandfather was in World War II. I mean, you know, it's uh, tough. You know, thank God for people who do that, who, you know, that's why we can live how we, you know, of course, that also, you know, you can open the door and say, well, yeah, but also, you know, there's innocent people getting killed, you know, all this mess. And, and you're and you're right. The, the door was going to swing both ways. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to your earlier, you know, discussion over, you know, how can we, you know, is there a point in this life, you know, will we ever evolve past this? And uh, Well, I mean, there's a, in military, there's a defensive role as well, or, uh, and right. a peacekeeping role and these other things. It isn't just about... Right, joining to go to war. Although I guess that's a big part of it. Well, yeah, it seems like now you know it's a uh, yeah, it's a pretty good possibility you're going to go off into some awful place if you, you know, it's a pretty yes. good shot. Um, I'm wondering if if how many listeners we would still have at this point in the podcast, or would have people shut off? Well, that's why I, I don't uh, think I want to listen to that. I know. I don't uh, know how long I, this I has take, been. Uh, you know, I take responsibility. Well, it's been. I think we've been going on for quite a while, well over an hour. I'm sure. Don't oh, you think? I'm sure. I'm sure. I uh, I don't have a clock or anything nearby. Okay. But, uh, we keep trying to end it on a funny note. I don't think we're going to be able to. <laughs> I'm just fixated out the window at the ghosts and these these jack o' lantern. And I can't wait to get out and take a picture. So maybe that'll be the picture that'll go with this thing. <laughs> maybe it fits. Maybe the the white ghost could be, I don't know, could be Jesus. Well, could be never the, know. the spirit. Or the Snoopy. Other one, yeah, the, Snoopy could be. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going for something religious theme here. Let's see. That's, because our there's the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So, well, I guess, no, that would have to be the Holy Ghost then. That's true. Uh, the little pumpkin would have to be the Son. That's a funny, comical Jesus. Yes. And yeah, the ET character is uh, is God, of course, because it's cosmic. Oh, well, there we go. go. It's all yeah, done. All, yeah. all right. We better end before we. Yeah, I think out. so. I think, I think we found an ending point. Let's stop there. <laughs> uh, thank you, and then maybe there'll be another one. But this, uh, I, I very, it's funny because I, I knew, I, I did this first one with of this new series with Francis here in the car, and I one of the reasons for driving all this bloody way was. Because I wanted you to be part of this, too, because I wanted to have this uh, conversation. So uh, thank you. Well, thank you. I really, really appreciate it. And we're done. Bye. I don't, I don't have closing words. Oh, I did find oh. a little theme I stuck on the last one. Oh, I'll just add that in here. Bili 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 b